Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Once Upon a Phrase. I am your host, Jason. And your other host, Lisa. And before we get started, just a quick reminder. Uh, if you're on Instagram, please give us a follow at Once Upon a Phrase. Don't forget, after listening to today's episode, to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with our weekly content. All right. Thank you for that reminder, Lisa. And just a thank you to everyone that was listening and has been listening. Uh, week 9, or episode 9, I mean, yes. was our one of our most listened to episode to date um, with, you know, more streams in a couple days than we normally get in a week. So I want to appreciate, or I want to, you know, uh, show my appreciation for everyone that's listening. And what did we follow that great episode up with, Lisa? Two-week hiatus. Yes. So uh, we, we both recently started taking classes again. Um, so the schedule got a little wonky for us, but we're back on track now. Um, so get ready for this week where we talk about something very important. Today's episode is about... Family. Wait, I thought we were doing it on the Fast and Furious movies. No. And why am I thinking about family? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I want to introduce you to our first co-host, or I guess you're the co-host. Our special guest. Special guest, since we're doing an episode on family. Uh, Why don't you say hi? My name's Kelly. I'm the I'm the 15 year old in the story. Yes, she's that teenage daughter we're always complaining about. I mean, talking about. (laughs) Yes, Um, she doesn't know because she doesn't listen. So we get two whole podcasts. Come on. All right. Um, Yes, family is the theme of this week's episode. So we brought our family on to talk. Um, Before we get started, anybody want to try their best Dominic Toretto impersonation of family? I'll pass. No, I'll nope. do it. Come on, it's your first. Kelly, you got to get in here. Give it to me. Give it to me. Bam. <laughs> okay, sorry. I had to get that out. Um, Lisa, why don't you get us started? All right, so today our first once upon a phrase is white elephant. Kelly, do you know anything about a white elephant? Um, I don't think so. The only thing I know is our Christmas game. Right, so that's kind of what we're all familiar with. Um, a lot of times for white elephant, white elephant events, you everyone grabs a gift depending on the price range that you set up with your group, group people, friends, or family. And then you have all sorts of different ways that you divvy out the gifts. Some there's a card game you play. Some you pick numbers and you have to grab a gift. Then you can pass and share and steal. So it kind of just depends on the family. Yeah, and I mean, you can do it with non-family members. Right, but so like a friend's group sometimes, sure, co-workers. But, yeah, but we, we chose this for this week's episode because um, we white elephant with our family. Um, so we thought it'd be a good way to talk about, you know, spending time with your family. And uh, why don't you go a little bit deeper on this, Lisa, because I have no idea how a white elephant and gift giving ever got associated with each other. So neither do I until I did my research. Um, at the very beginning, I was like, oh, well, that's just what we call it, right? So white elephant for all of our listeners, we know it as kind of a useless gift, a gift that doesn't serve much purpose. So the origin story is quite interesting. It goes back to Siam, which is in modern-day Thailand. The king would often give away white elephants to anyone who displeased him or fell out of his favor. 
Wait, so this guy's just giving away elephants? Just the white ones. Just the ones. Okay. Uh, Ke Kelly has no idea what we're talking about because she's still on the child side of gift givings. So she gets to open mountains of gifts at Christmas. And all the adults get to pick between these white elephant gifts. Right. Um, so the white elephant gift kind of makes the holidays a little more fun for the adults because you've got something kind of quirky and goofy to look forward to. Usually a interesting, but not necessarily the most Wait, so have, have, have practical we been, Yeah, have gift? we been doing it wrong? Should we be giving out white elephants to people? I don't have the backyard for a white elephant. Neither do I. Well, we have the same backyard. Kelly, does anybody <laughs> in the family have room for a white elephant? I don't think so. I mean, maybe Benji will want one. I'm not buying that kid an elephant. All right, so why is this king giving out elephants? So, white elephants, surprisingly, were sacred and highly thought of. So, the only people who actually were able to initially get them, they were gifted to the king. They were given to the king. And the king decided, you know, as I said before, if people kind of upset him or follow his favor, he would gift them to those. Um, the problem with this is that because white elephants are so sacred and they're highly thought of, they were not allowed to be used for any sort of labor. So you couldn't even use the elephant for any purpose to benefit yourself. So you're just supposed to do what with this thing? You take care of them like a newborn, like a baby, but a really giant baby. What manual labor does an elephant do anyways? I know they were used in battle. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could ride them and use them as transportation. Ride them. Hold on really quick. Kelly just whispered something. When you think of elephants, Kelly, what do you think of? The scene in Aladdin, the Prince Ali song. That's where we're at. I'm talking about using in battle. And she's talking about Prince Ali, fabulous as he. All right. So the problem is, so elephants are ginormous. They're about five tons, and they eat about 300 pounds of food. Wait, that's not normal? Mm, no, <laughs> okay. not at all. Mm -mm. If it is, we got an issue here. So, and the problem is, you couldn't refuse the gift. So. To, hell, to hell you can't. I would definitely refuse if somebody gave me an... You weren't I, allowed to. So actually, I think in our family, White Elephant, um, Kelly, one of your aunts, didn't she give somebody a fish yes yeah right so who who got the fish my aunt mouse gave the fish oh wait no she gave the fish i'm pretty sure jesse ended up with it no i thought jesse jesse's creative gift was to bring the fish as her gift and i think she gave it to mouse so jesse's jesse's the very unique white elephant gift giver yeah so wait did your aunt keep the fish? Yeah, she tried to give it to my house, and we said no. Oh, okay. So you're smart. If you can say no, okay. But people in uh, Siam could not say no. No. So, not surprisingly, the people who were gifted with these beautiful white horses, they often fell into financial trouble and often literally lost everything. Due to the burden of this white elephant. Wait, this guy is out here bankrupting people? Yeah. It was kind of like um, like a screw you type of moment and kind of... So I now I'm really confused. Should we be giving revenge gifts at these white elephants? Because I've been given, like, thoughtful gifts. Are we doing it wrong? Well, I think now, centuries later, we no longer do that. 
Um, we're talking about revenge gifts, though. Not on the side of White Elephant, but I think as any of us parents know, that whenever someone, if you, if you give your friend a very loud gift like drums or a huge piano that they can lay across their bedroom floor, it's often either due to a gift you gave them that caused them a lot of burden or they're in turn, they're in store for a burdenful gift coming yeah. up soon. So none of those are random examples, listeners. By the way, we've had two friends gift our son drums um, and a, an entire floor size piano was given to our son by my cousin. It's okay. Their birthday. Oh, we're their, gonna... their birthday is coming up soon. So Did I tell you what he said, by the way? Two years ago, I gave his kid slime and he gets revenge on me with his floor piano over some, sl- or no, kinetic sand. That's what it was. He said he's still cleaning it off his floor. So, Kelly, what side would you rather be on? Because you're 15, so you're not going to be in the kid group much longer. You got a handful of years before you're in the white elephant. Are you excited to participate in the white elephant because it means you've graduated to adult in a few years? Or do you prefer the big stack of gifts and hanging out with the kids? Well, I think it's both. Lately, I've been the older one of the kid group, so I think graduating to the adult side is going to be very nice. But I'm very unsure about this whole white elephant thing with this whole podcast so far. Well, the problem is, first of all, you're not going to get the big old stack of gifts. You get one gift. And secondly, you got to purchase that with your allowance money. Well, you have to contribute to by the, the time elephant. she gets into the white elephant. I'm hoping I've, I'm not still giving her an allowance. <laughs> Okay, well, the King of Siam sounds awful. I'm, I'm glad we don't give revenge gifts anymore. Though they are, um, I don't know, would you say white elephant gifts are still, because they can't be personalized, right? I mean, because you don't know who's going to get them. So what's the strategy for buying a white elephant gift? So I think the strategy for buying a white elephant gift is kind of being as generic as possible. Yet, depending on, like, the friend group or family that you're working with, kind of catering it to some of the stuff that you know they like. So, like, okay, I know with our family, some of the stuff we've done is someone got, like, a whole basket of chocolate. Or someone got wine, with wine glasses. Someone got, like, cat stuff. Um, scratchers. Someone got cat stuff. We know who got cat stuff. We scratchers. Got... Things Ooh, like that. Oh, the scratchers. Yeah. We won money on those scratchers. No, not those. I was talking about the ones where it was an entire box and you had to, it was a gift card one. Oh, yes, you yes. had to scratch off a thing and call all the numbers to find out which one of the gift cards oh, no, yeah. had oh. money on it. Yeah. That one. All right. So I think it kind of depends. So, so, Kelly, when you're able to participate in the White Elephant, um, what's your preference? What family member are you hoping you get their gift? Because you've seen them all. You've, you've, you've been an observer in all of the family's White Elephants. Who are you hoping gift you get honestly i'm either hoping for your guys's or my mom's because those are the least cat filled or alcoholic filled i will get she's not wrong all right so before i take over with our second once upon a phrase i just want to give a shout out to our sponsor lt elite tax services um if you've got any needs financial needs tax needs payroll, you know, consulting, really anything. Um, these are your guys. 
you can give a call at 773-481-2401 or hit them up online at ltelite-cpa.com. All right, and our second once upon a phrase is spitting image. So Kelly, what is a spitting image? You, you've heard of this before, what does it mean? Well, I've definitely heard of it. Um, from what I understand, when I hear spitting image, I assume that the child most likely looks exactly like their parents. That's it. Um, so the mystery behind what it means wasn't why we picked it for today's episode. Um, it's more the verbiage. Um, so any idea why it's called spitting image? I actually don't. I'd assume the image is because they look alike, but I have no idea what the spitting is for. So th this is, again, uh, one of the things I was really excited about while doing this research is because I had the same thought. I was like, I get the image part, but what in the heck does spitting have to do with any? It's actually kind of gross, right? Yeah. Um, so when I started doing the research and I started digging, um, like I mentioned, I was excited because it started to make sense. Originally, um, it was known as the spitter image. Um, and that doesn't sound any better, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. It's going to get worse before it gets better, guys. Um, so historically, a spit has been a, uh, has had a definition meaning a perfect likeness. So if this was a, a video, you could see the confusion on my daughter's face right now, um, but it's a podcast, so you can't. But yeah, so I'm with you on the, It's confusing, right? Uh, so one of the things about etymology that you've got to understand is that words change, language changes. They evolve over yes, time. And this is one of those things that it just doesn't mean that anymore, right? Historically speaking, you know, if you go back hundreds of years, if spitting meant perfect likeness that was a common definition people knew that people said that but it's not today like some work gets lost in translation but the best part is the phrase didn't people still continue to use the phrase for what it meant they just don't have that same definition so we see that phrase evolve over time um, like i said you know historically spit was used to mean a perfect likeness but it came from the idea that if you looked just like one of your parents it was said that you were spit from their mouth because you look so much like them, right? So it makes sense, right? Okay, I see where it's coming from, but, like, I still don't, like, the word translation gets me. So, and it's that, you know, that word translation that you're talking about is why we're still lost because we just don't speak like that anymore, but we kept the phrase. And you saw it evolve over time. Um, it started off, um, you know, not as spitting image. It started off as um, spitting image. I got to say this slower, okay? I'll fucking say it. Uh, spit and image, or spitting image, or even splitting image, um, before getting to spitting image. I see how all those kind of mesh together, like our previous phrases like goodbye and things like that, where different things kind of just slowly evolve into a easier one that kind of flows off your tongue. Yeah, I like that. If you go back to episode two, where we did the medieval times stuff, it was uh, the phrase goodbye originally meant God be with you, God be with ye, you know, and then eventually it gets shortened to goodbye. And we see that here, right? To go from spit and image to spit and image to split and image, and eventually we land on spitting image. 
but to us the word spitting has a different definition, so it doesn't make sense, and yet we all say it, and we all know what it means, and I mean, Kelly, you're 15 years old, you have a completely different vocabulary and, you know, different upbringing and different background, but you still knew what the phrase meant. Right, so it's kind of transcended generations, for sure. Yes. All right, Lisa, what do you got for us? All right, so our third once upon a phrase is being the black sheep of a family. So, Kelly, do you know what this one means? Um. Well, since, for my definition, all sheeps are white, so the black sheep would just be the odd one out. I mean, that's pretty much what it means. So, being the black sheep would mean you're, like, the odd man out. You're not like the others. You act differently. Um, maybe you do things differently in general. You kind of stand out a little bit. So, this actually began in 18th century England. It was believed that black sheeps were the mark of the devil. Hold on. Before we get any further, this 18th century England, everything was the mark of the devil. Like, if you <laughs> sneeze too loud, it was, it was Satan. You know, they everything was the devil. It reminds me of that, um, what's the Adam Sandler movie? Little Nicky? No. That movie, he was the devil, yes. No. Okay. Waterboy. When the mom kept everything. That is the devil. One of my favorite scenes when uh, he tells him like when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And the mom goes, I invented the light bulb. Thomas Edison is the devil. So, <laughs> so it is not uncommon that not so black sheeps are not as uncommon as we think, even though we may have not. I've never seen a black sheep. Have you? Nope. Kelly? No. So. They're not uncommon, but obviously the three people in the room have never seen one. It's basically a recessive gene that most rams and you, female sheeps, have a dominant gene that switches off the color production. Before we dive too deep into the science mumbo-jumbo, um, did you just call me a female sheep? No. You definitely said you. You, E-W-U, is how we say female sheep. Wait, so you are... You, I don't even know how to say this. You are a sheep, or you is a female sheep. Yes. You is a female sheep. Oh my goodness! This is what she has to deal with all the time. <laughs> Kelly can attest. This is a handful every day. You're welcome. All right, so back to the science mumbo jumbo. If the parents don't have that gene, there's a quarter chance that they'll get the recessive gene that makes the sheep black. So there's a 25% chance for that to happen. If they don't have those genes. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I, again, I'm a historian. I am not a science guy. And I remember, Kelly, you were doing, when did you do all your gene stuff? Was that this year or last year? Last year? Um, she would try and explaining this stuff to me because she's got some recessive genes. She's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, and she's showing me, what was all that stuff called when you were like matching up? The Punnett squares, no? Sure. Yeah. Punnett squares? Okay, so the she's... The little B, big B. Mm -hmm. So as she's explaining this all to me, in my head, it, like she might as well be speaking Japanese. Because um, for as... That's how we feel sometimes when you go on your history rants. Yeah, but history rants are important. Science is important, too. Okay. Kelly, history or science? Remember, one of us gives you an allowance and the other one doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm not allowance, nothing. History. But 
In reality, science. Well, somebody's grounded. Uh, all right. So, go, so if black sheep are so common, or not, common's the wrong word. If they're not uncommon. They're not as rare, right? They're not as rare as we all think. So what's the big deal? So the problem is, is while a black sheep isn't uncommon, it's not as useful as the white sheep because they can't dye their wool because it's already so dark. Oh, so this is about money. Isn't it always? Yes, usually. Wait, so what's wrong with the black wool? I'm, I don't think I've ever owned anything wool, as far as I can remember. But wool being white, you can dye it on any kind of color you need for the consumer, right? But if it's black, it kind of just leaves you the only option of using it as the color black. Th this is what I'm confused about. What's wrong with that? Aren't most clothes black? Some people like a little variety in their life, unlike your closet. Oh, my God. You guys should see my closet. It is black, 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 black. Blue cub shirt. Black, 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 black. Red bull shirt. Black, 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 black. Red cub shirt. Black, black, blue. Listeners, he's not lying. No. Well, it's, it's very easy to find his cub shirts and bull shirts for the games we go to. Very yes. easy. All right, Kelly, what's your closet look like? Well, I do have a handful of black shirts. It's basically rainbow. I have all of the colors. So you're the reason people hate black sheeps. That's in conclusion. People like you are the problem. Got it. Okay. Um, so my question to you, Jason, is a lot of times we use this phrase to refer to like you know being the black sheep of a family, right? But can it be used, do you think, outside of like a family setting to be you know understood that way, or is it kind of just strictly family? So I, I I've actually seen this before. Um, predominantly, I would say. In a large portion of conversations, when you say black sheep, you are talking about family. But they've shifted this um, in more of a like a psychological theory to talk about when certain groups of people are isolated, and whether that's based on uh, race or wealth or you know sexual orientation or anything like that. Um, you know, since the 1980s, when we've started to seeing a lot more different types of people and different groups, um, some are deemed better and some are deemed less desirable, you know, because of the traits that they have. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's used in that sense, you know, when you're talking about um, sociology and, you know, social factors. Um, but again, only, I guess, if you're in that field. Okay, but mostly. The majority of the time, yeah. If you're, saying, you're mostly going to hear the context talking about it in family terms. Yeah, and I, I think it's weird because I don't know anybody, the only people I know that use the term black sheep claim to be the black sheep. Yeah, I thinking of that, I remember when I was younger, much younger, I would hear my dad refer to himself as the black sheep of the family. I didn't at that point understand what he was saying, so it was just like a word he would use, but I definitely heard my dad refer to that. Yeah, but I don't think I hear people talking about others being the black sheep. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I feel like... <laughs> you think it just makes them feel bad? Like, if you admit somebody else is the black sheep, doesn't that make you the problem? Right? Yeah, I feel like you're... Yeah, and I also don't... I feel like it's an unwritten or unstated thing. Like, if you're in a family, you know that one person is kind of the odd man out or odd woman out. You kind of just know that. And probably the way that you treat them or the events they're invited to or not invited to and so forth, it's kind of an obvious thing. But I don't think they use that to... Because it makes you feel like you're the problem, right? I mean, this has got to be it. Nobody wants to be the problem. 
So I don't think you would say, oh, so-and-so is the black sheep of this family. But the person obviously oh, the realizes person say, what's yeah, going on when they're not lot. invited and they see the pictures or they hear about events that they were not, you know, invited to as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Take us home, Jason. What do you got for us? All right. So the last once upon a phrase I want to talk about is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So this one's super common, at least I think. Kelly, uh, do you know what it means? Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's kind of like the spinning image one, but instead of looks, it's more of like the personality and traits a person has, that it's real close to someone else, um, specifically a parent. So I do think that's interesting that we have, I mean, almost extremely similar phrases, but one focuses on looks and one focuses on personality and traits. Um, it's just interesting that language is that, like you can have different phrases to mean, you know, similar things but also very different things so this is actually an old phrase right um it's accredited with uh, ralph waldo emerson um from the 1800s um, kelly's shaking her head no look this is why she this is why she's on the the science and math side um literature not her thing but ralph waldo emerson you'll read him at some point in your high school or college career um yeah so he gets the credit for um popularizing this but not inventing it and this is again one of those things where we've seen the second a phrase hits a movie or a commercial or a book or an author or a newspaper or something right that's when it really catches fire even though it might be a phrase that people have said for decades if not longer once it hits media then it becomes a thing right so ralph waldo emerson you know he writes it in one of his books um but it actually goes back to way before him the apple doesn't fall far from the trees, an old German proverb. From... Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying it didn't come from Greek or Roman mythology? I know, right? This has got to be a first, guys. You heard it here first. Something did not come from ancient Greece. This is almost every, um, Kelly, you would know this if you listen to the podcast more. Um, almost everything can be traced back to there or to England. So we finally have a non-English, non-Greek, non-Roman phrase. It's German, right? The 1500s is an old German proverb. Um, and it is, and guys, I'm going to try my best here. Der Apfel nagisch wird von Stem, which is a literal translation of the apple does not fall far from the tree. Good try, hon. Try, try? What? That was great. Good All right. try. All right, Kelly, you try it. Say it. Um, Der Apfel nagisch I don't know. <laughs> Valiant effort. See, that was a try. Okay. I nailed it. Mm, okay. So for our listeners out there, that was a conscious effort. I did notice that um, in previous episodes, and somebody called me out on this, um, when there's ever something from a, in a different language, me and Lisa always apologize. We're like, yeah, we can't say this, or I know we're going to butcher it, and then we just don't. Um, and I was like, no, you know what? This is a podcast on etymology and origins, and let's give it a shot. So, kudos. I spent a lot of time on the internet listening to that get pronounced, and I think I nailed it. Um, <laughs> so, so yes, this this comes from you know it's an old German proverb, um, same translation, same meaning. Um, but I guess the reason I wanted to talk about this is how often do you hear this in a positive sense, right? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I feel almost exclusively used to say something 
bad about someone, right? Kelly? So, I mean, I hear people say it, but not often. I, I've mostly picked it up from movies, and it's always like when the kid gets in trouble, they'll be like, you're just like your father. The apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Yeah, so I guess my question is why? Because if you're acting like your parents, right, and it's in a bad way, there's a whole phrase that describes it, right? But it doesn't mean in a bad way. It could just mean in a good way, but we don't want to associate, you know, good behavior with, you know, they picked it up from their parents. It's almost like, well, if they did something bad, well, now we've got to blame, got to blame someone. Let's blame their parents. Uh, their dad acted just like that, or their mom acted just like that. I wonder why a lot of times we see things used more negatively. I don't know. I feel like when you're talking about a positive trait for someone, you might say, oh, they have those same genes, or, oh, it's just like your dad, or just like your mom. But you don't use that. I don't know why. You just don't use that phrase. I feel like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. just has a negative connotation, and I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I guess. So I did try to do some digging on that, and I couldn't find anything. Even um, when I was on a handful of different websites and reading about it, um, they always offer, like, example sentences. Even all of the example sentences were bad. <laughs> it's like, how is this just, I mean, at its root, it doesn't mean anything negative, but it's always used in a negative sense. So I did come up with my own theory. So this is a Jason original here. Oh, okay. boy. I think when you do something good, or when somebody else does something good, like Kelly, my daughter, for example, when she does something good, I want that to be hers. I want that to be her accomplishment. Okay. And I don't want, and maybe this is how other people think, especially, you know, this is normally used for children. You want that to be their accomplishment, and you want them to have ownership of that. But when it's something bad, you want to find a reason that they did that. To justify it? Yes. And not in a negative sense. Just, like, give them a way out. Like, well, they do that because their parents did it that way. But if it's something good, I think they should get all the credit. You know, if they you have a great talent or they do well in school or something like that's theirs and they deserve for that credit to go to them. I could see that, but I, I could also see it more uh, self-centered people kind of making it about themselves too and kind of taking part of that credit in some situations. But I think for the most part, I think you're onto something. Okay. Well, you heard it here. Lisa just said, I'm always right. Um, and I'm the smartest person You can rewind that. Alive. That's not what I said. No. Uh, mm-hmm. I edit the podcast, uh, so I'm going to edit that part out. Uh, yeah, no. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, uh, we are tr- we're back in classes, so we don't have um, all of the time in the world anymore, but we're still going to push episodes out um, when we can. Um, we have already planned out a very – very nice lineup for season two um a lot of the part ones that we've done and extra phrases that we've collected we've already begun the research on those um so season two will be on the way Um, but we've got a couple more things in line for season one so stay tuned Um, but before we let you go i just want to once again thank another sponsor of the show Um, for anybody in the chicago area specifically andersonville fat chris's pizza and such is where you need to be Um, Not only do they have amazing Detroit-style pizza, they also have, you know, thin crust and, you know, they they have it all, right? They're they're your um, 
they're your pizza guys, right? So give them a call at 773-944-5444. Um, or you can visit them on the web at fatchrispizza.com. Or I'm sorry, fatchrispizza.com. Um, on that note, Kelly, you want to send us off? You want to say bye? I appreciate you guys having me. So thank you. All right, guys. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thank you.